0: <laughs> Isn't that the? Oh no, it's not the candy bar and caddyshack. That's a baby Ruth.
1: Baby yeah. Ruth. Yeah, I was actually going wow. to suggest John. You have a like community pool outside. Uh, maybe tomorrow you can throw a, couple a baby of in it? or yeah, some baby Ruth in there, or drop know, a some sort of chocolate bar mm. in the uh, in the pool. That
0: could definitely stir up some conflict. I, I would be into that. Yeah, why not?
1: Yeah.
2: Or like a oh, Snickers, like, uh, and, like you'll get a nut that f- comes out and some caramel, so it's gonna look like oh, pee. Fuck
0: yeah, dude! Oh man! And I'm just sitting there naked, eating mounds. What?
1: <laughs> and the security guys just like walking chocolate door to door, all over you, <laughs> like, covered you put, like, in chocolate candy bar in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your neighbors? Hey, is like, you oh, yeah, maybe it's the guy that screams at the top of his lungs at two in the morning. I am,
0: I am shocked that nobody has knocked on my door. <laughs> like even, like let alone, like I think there's people next to me. I'm not really sure. But, like, at least the people above and below me should be like, what the actual fuck is that kid doing screaming at Overcooked 2 at 2 in the morning? Oh,
2: Jesus. <laughs> Striking out on the show. Just, fuck.
0: Oh, man. Spencer <laughs> struck me out so many times last night. Jeez, he was he was on fire. Um,
1: so let's just get into the show.
2: <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question, though?
1: If you... If you must.
0: Where's Caleb! Caleb! <laughs> sorry <laughs> what <laughs> Abby <laughs> oh my god make Diane, it stupid please. <laughs> Diane please I'm a scientist I oh, didn't take like that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Caleb,
2: don't make me ask you twice. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> just the start no in cage
1: like trying to do very, like, theatrical, weird shit. Um, okay.
0: Good night, Caleb. Good night, Mom. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right.
1: Welcome back to Collector's Corner. <laughs> Holy shit. It's the show where one of us <clears throat> does stop a film from a physical media collection. We put it in the Blu-ray player to watch, and then discuss- we get together to discuss what we liked, what we didn't like, and why we even bought the film in the first place, this week, I actually decided to challenge the dudes and myself and kind of come up with specific categories for the next couple of episodes. And uh, this is the first one, and this is John's week, and he decided to go with the category of guilty pleasure movies, just kind of like films with mid to low reviews that, you know, he still loves and appreciates. And yeah, that's why he's he on the of poll those. for The Mummy and Knowing, because both, don't, you know, they don't have the best reviews out there.
0: And I had never seen the mummy.
1: And Nate had never seen Knowing, so oh shit.
0: One <laughs> of you guys won?
1: In quotes. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um Yeah, dude. Fucking knowing. Two thousand nine. What a year to be alive. Um Nate I, I I guess I'm not surprised that you hadn't seen this. It's I mean, it's not really in your wheelhouse. It's one of those just like Nicholas Cage being Nicholas Cage movies. And honestly, if I hadn't watched it just like randomly, my mom, I think, got it like either at I'm assuming like Redbox. I think Redbox was a thing in 2009. Um, And if I hadn't seen it then, I probably never would have watched this movie until like me and Spencer developed our obsession with Nicolas Cage. I don't know when it would have happened. But, um, you know, my background with this movie was I watched it at my lake house on a really small little box TV late at night. It was probably raining with my mom and we literally just talked about this. I'm like, yeah, we're talk- We're gonna do knowing. And she's like, oh. I'm like, you remember when we watched this thing? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't understand the impact this film has had on me. She didn't <laughs> like, remember. You, you know, that you better, don't. Sure. You don't understand. Like, you thought you just rented a movie, we watched it, move on with our lives. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it changed my fucking life. <laughs> no, this this movie is. Knowing. It should not have had the impact that it really did. But I have I've seen this movie at least ten times. At least it's. Okay. It's, like I said, guilty pleasures. There's a reason why it was it was on that list. The Mummy, I've probably seen that five or six times, but this is definitely more of the guilty pleasure, um, just purely because it's Nicolas Cage being himself, and it's a disaster movie, and I had a huge obsession with those for quite some time.
1: That's true. It does tick so, some boxes for you. A lot I, of boxes. <laughs> I saw Knowing in theaters in two thousand nine. Like it came out in oh, like wow. March of two thousand nine. Uh, and I went and saw it at this really small art house theater uh, up where I was skiing, and I remember going with my dad. I was probably like, what, 13 or so? I was, you know, 13, 14. And uh, I remember being pretty into the movie, and then I, I vividly remember the ending We'll get into it, but the ending just pissed me off, and I just like got up and like wanted to leave the theater at like the very end. <laughs> and I just as a thirteen-year-old got third- yeah, offended. I was just like I wasn't like I wasn't really offended. I was just pissed because the movie just goes in such a weird direction in the third act, and it just caught me off guard. I always remember that, and I think I had watched it maybe one or two times, like maybe on TV in the years following, and you know, I've always kind of liked it and thought it was like a fun movie, but it's been you know it's been a long time since i've watched this from start to finish so that's why when you picked it i was like okay this is going to be interesting and also because like you said Nate had never seen this movie and be- yeah <laughs> we need before to we get into opinion.
0: that, i i do want to do, do you have a ducky ask a questions for this episode Well, oh, no? of course i do yeah okay i don't know if we accidentally skipped over that cuz i don't want to I you know i want a chance to actually win something since it's my week here um
1: I do. Have, I have a couple of questions. Um, okay. Okay.
0: I if we, I don't know if you want to do Nate's thoughts first, like his original, or I mean, he hasn't seen it, so he doesn't really have a, a background with this movie. But I do not. Uh, <laughs> whatever you want to do, I'll shut up. I just.
2: I'll just say, I'm ready to talk about this movie. Okay. I haven't wanted to talk about a movie so much after watching it <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, no. Let, let's, let's get into some trivia because I have some stuff to say. All right. <laughs> let's get trivial. Okay. I'm excited. Trivia, That's not sum. But yeah, no, dudes Ducky does trivia.
1: ask a question. Okay. Um, Ducky because, quack, 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 quack. Because we watched you know, Knowing this week for the podcast, uh, Knowing has a wonderful cast. I mean, most importantly, Nicolas Cage. But there's a couple of great supporting actors here, including Rose Byrne and Ben Mendelsohn. Now, I want to know. What other film featured these two actors, Rose Burn and Ben Mendelson? We have A Exodus, Gods and Kings, B Mississippi Grind, C The Place Beyond the Pines, and D Australia. John. I think I
0: know the answer. Um, I think it's Place Beyond the Pines.
2: Okay. Nate. I believe it was um, Exodus, Gods and Kings, or whatever it was. Gods
1: and Kings, okay. Well, every single movie that I just mentioned has Ben Mendelsohn, but only one movie <laughs> has Rose Byrne, and that movie is The Place Beyond the Pines. Really? She plays a character named Jennifer. I would not Here's have. Here's the
0: known thing. That. I uh I did hmm. a lot of IMDb trivia and oh. uh, I I knew the answer. Sorry. Um, oh, okay. But I mean oh. I don't like that. That doesn't so mean I... In a, in a way you're kind of admitting. I, I, I mean cheat it, it is cheating, look, but, but like okay, I, you know
2: what I don't I don't want to talk about this movie
0: anymore. Goodbye. I, <laughs> I I typically for for the films that I feel like I should have knowledge about I I, I will take a look, but I'll I won't do that going forward because Fair of the trivia ducky.
1: But um okay sorry. Well, congratulations you you won the trivia question of the week for knowing it was your film you did the most research so that's why you were the most prepared to know the answer uh you know the answer for knowing so c- congratulations congratulations um, for knowing that wow thanks yeah.
0: i'm a fucking prophet aren't i
1: but if you've never heard of this film before why don't i tell you a little bit about knowing cue the theme song this film is directed by alex proyas he has done films like the crow i robot dark city Gods of Egypt, but we don't want to talk about that. Knowing stars Nicholas Cage, Rose Byrne, Ben Mendelssohn, and it has the film debut of Liam Hemsworth, who plays a character named Spencer. I think that's pretty damn important, but I might be a little biased. Anyways, the plot: MIT professor Nicholas Cage links a mysterious list of numbers from a time capsule to the past and future disasters, and sets out to prevent the ultimate catastrophe. Has a 6.2 on IMDb, a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 42% audience score and it's got a filthy 2.6 out of 5 on Letterbox. Um, uh, I did not know it was that low.
0: Yeah, I it's pretty I low. did not know. I thought it was at least in the 50s. That is incorrect. 34 is Yeah, there's a reason why no one is talking about this movie and I is a reason why Nate never got around to it because it was never talked about by anybody. It's <laughs> just always seen the and forgotten. Out.
2: I've always seen the title in video stores and stuff when I was younger. I always saw the DVD cover. Just Nicolas Cage on the front with, like, the orange sun
1: in the background. Yeah. it's kind of
0: dark. That's Isn't, it. Shouldn't that be intriguing enough for you to be like, eh, I'll blind buy that? Yeah, never? but if you no, walk no. into
1: Walmart nowadays, like, literally every other movie, Nicolas Cage is on the, the cover. So Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, that's fair. I don't blame you for never checking this out because it's just like, oh, yeah, could we just want another one of these VOD, like, Shit boxes that nicholas cage is doing to help pay for his mother's uh, insane asylum bill but um, but because john and i had a huge history with this movie we're kind of on the same page that it's like we recognize that it's a very out there movie but nate since this is the first time you even check this out i didn't know anything going into this what did you think of knowing Holy Sorry, shit, I'm why are
0: you putting this all on me? Like, because I I <laughs> I watch this as like a thirteen year old. I need to know what a twenty six year old adult feels first time seeing this fucking movie.
2: <laughs> um, I'm twenty seven actually. Thank you very much. Um, oh,
0: congrats. I'm almost twenty seven as well. Thank we, you. Did you me my birthday present yet? No, probably not. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I I respect this movie more than I thought I was going to because it goes in such a bonkers direction, but it ties in to like some biblical shit. That's like, I'm not a church goer. I, I don't, I, I don't have, I don't follow or practice a religion. Um, But this movie went there and I respect it for just being like, Hey, this is how we're going to do this. And this is how we're going to tell our story. And I was like, damn even though it's not the best movie in the world even though some of the cg was just kind of like wow bad (laughs) i actually had a really fun time watching this movie because i like things with a little mystery and when there's a little code that has to be solved and you're kind of trying to solve it as the characters are doing it and plus it's nicholas fucking cage like we've talked about it but like come on He's one of the greatest ever. (laughs) He just is for being who he is, and his roles are just amazing. And I guess I can only just sum this all up by saying I had a blast. No pun intended. I had a blast with
0: this movie. So, Spencer, you know a little bit more. You mentioned this. I didn't really know this, but apparently this pissed some Christians off.
1: I See, I don't even feel comfortable commenting on that because... (laughs) Okay. I don't follow the director was comfortable talking whatsoever. about this like, at all. Like, so I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I can see why. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I can remember going see why. to the box office in 2009 for this movie. And I had already gotten a ticket. I think I was just standing in the lobby Two other people walked in and they asked this guy who was working the theater, like, Oh, what's playing? Like, Oh, what's knowing? And I remember him saying like, Oh, are you religious? And they're like, oh, yeah, a little bit. And he's like, oh, well, you should stay clear of this movie because it will piss oh. you off. I hated it. And I just remember hearing that and being like, what? Because I just didn't really huh. think about it. I was like, oh, it's a movie. Nicolas Cage, it's a disaster movie. I'm going to go see it. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. But uh, I remember that conversation. <laughs> and am uh, ignorant. ignorant. Now, as I've gotten older, and I've like, especially on this rewatch, and you see like the ending, uh, I mean, yeah, it's about a rapture. And it has biblical elements to it, but it doesn't really, like... It doesn't. It's not really. It's not about the Bible. Integral to like the story. It's just. If you want to watch
0: something that's more close to the Bible? You watch Left Behind, which is literally about the people that were yeah, left behind. The other that,
1: Nicolas Cage disaster movie, but the end of the world.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. it has a much slight, a much lower Rotten Tomatoes score. But that would be the one for for the Christian audience. This one, the director did not. That's. I mean, there's a lot of symbolism here, like almost in your face symbolism when it comes to that type of thing, like. uh it it, it it wants to be left up for interpretation is the film smart enough to make that decision for the audience i don't know um but yeah i could totally understand why a certain audience this this film is made for a certain audience and i can understand why uh you know religious people probably find this offensive in a sense, I mean, it's, um, but that's not what I want to talk about with this movie right now. Oh, god,
2: no, yeah, <laughs> it's that's super, like way beside the point.
0: Yeah, it, I
1: know, I know.
2: It's a super bleak
1: blockbuster that is about the end of the world and the end of humanity. I mean, if you're religious, like you think of like heaven and hell and a place of afterlife. This movie doesn't really. I mean, it kind of doesn't care about it, that, but it doesn't really. Yeah, it's like no. Doesn't like, care. The end in is a different way. And Nicolas Cage, yeah. like his character, is constantly like having his faith tested throughout the movie because he has that speech at uh, in the MIT class. Just how like, oh yeah, nothing really exists out there. Like, I think shit happens. Is yeah. What he says yeah. Uh, I just think shit happens, and then and it's like oh. Geez. Then he's given this like piece of paper that has the answers to all of the uh, disasters in the world including like future um, disasters so like he's in a position of like oh I could go and prevent this and then when he realizes he can't prevent it then he's like well shit (laughs) like what was the purpose of this so I mean he's constantly getting his faith tested and then yeah they do go go there with a ballsy third act because usually the hero is trying to solve the end of the world and the movie doesn't care about that it's like no it's inevitable Sorry. What do,
0: so, what do you guys think about the numbers? Because with me, I this is the most intriguing part of the film. I love the first and second act of this movie mainly because it's like it's like the mystery. He receives the numbers, you, you know, and you're you're just trying to understand the true nature of them, what they mean with him as he's figuring it out. It's such I love how they kind of piece it together. He's like heavily drinking, and he's like, "Geez, like, hmm." Um, and and this is. And they obviously they start with nine eleven. It's two thousand nine, so it's like still in the minds of people, and that's like the first kind of disaster that he figures out. It's it's the date, it's the amount of people that died, and eventually you figure out that it's it's the the locations of of the uh, of the disasters. Which the I have because of this movie never forgotten the amount of people that died in 9-11. It's pretty fucked up. It just left an impression in my mind that 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 scene in particular where he like drops his glass and he's like oh. And he realizes what he's looking at. It's it's very impactful. It's especially very, when he realizes there's more to come.
1: It's in a very intriguing scene, for sure, the montage of him trying to figure out all the numbers because you can tell that he's just an alcoholic insomniac because he's just yeah. you know traumatized that his wife died. Uh and then yeah, he finds that piece of paper and he puts like the whiskey glass on top and it has like that like circle around the numbers and that's how yeah. he's like, he's, like it oh, what's this? Them. It's very far fetched and honestly coincidental and like like it shouldn't happen type of thing just but like it's one of those concepts that like on paper you hear that as a pitch and it's like okay like that's interesting that's cool Mm -hmm. did you watch that yeah spencer you
0: watch the director comment or not the director's commentary but you watch some of the special features and they do mention that this film started with the idea of just the numbers and then ee everyone else yeah yeah that's that is that is what the film started with and that's what they ran with and I don't know I, I just the idea of the numbers I mean it's represented so much on the poster like every promotion all the promotional material is based on these numbers and kind of the the premonition the the prophecy and uh, that's where it does get very biblical but it's it's also just very sci-fi and fun and very popcorn. Excitement for me, like it—it's made for that—that that mainstream audience that just wants to go and watch a disaster movie, and it does have those underlying factors, but I've, it's just so it's entertaining. Really, it's it's really so entertaining. Not
1: a Roland Emmerich film, though—that's how, kind of how I just heard that pitch. No, it's—it's it's, it's more grounded. You just kind of pitched a Roland Emmerich movie. Uh, this one has—it's yeah. just more bleak than any other disaster movie. I mean. I mean, maybe there's a couple other like uh, the wave was pretty fucking well. Even that kind of has a happy ending in it. It's not that bleak. I mean, it, it's bleak in the sense that
0: yeah, it's the end of the world, but there there's a lot more to it with with the whisper people
1: because the the um, the action scenes are incredibly disturbing. Yes, The plane crash scene, like the subway scene, was like the- just. I wanted to look away at times. It was so brutal. What did you
0: think of that plane crash scene, Nate? It's all one take. People burning alive. Um, it, it's one of the biggest reveals of the movie, where he finds out the locations of what, like, what the numbers mean in terms of locations, and he happens to fucking be there, which is ridiculous. First of all, like, I'm willing to admit that every time I see that scene, I'm like, oh, he. And he says, he's like, the numbers are locations. This. Location. <laughs> Literally talking to the audience. Yeah. And then he gets, gets out of the truck and he walks through the rain. It's 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 absurd, but it's still like I think one of the craziest plane crash scenes I've ever seen in a movie.
2: It's it's definitely very over the top, very just out of the blue. But I liked it because you didn't know what the disaster was gonna be. And I think they did a good job at kind of hinting at us what it was going to be, because when he's sitting there, it's an oil tanker that's, like, stuck on the middle of the road or something like that, I think.
0: There was another ever... reason why they were stopped, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. Was an and accident, so that's when yeah. I was,
2: like, I was expecting him to, like, run up to see what was going on, have it blow up. Yeah. And that be the thing. But then when he turns around and everyone just looks and then that plane comes, I was just like, eh. Okay oh, dude and then it just wipes everyone out and he's just like, oh mm. I can help you no oh oh okay and he just kind of drags people out haphazardly like trying to help but knowing there's not a lot you can do it was very over the top but I liked how they did it because they were very
0: dedicated to that one take and they very needed dedicated to put
2: they needed to put their main character in danger give him some sort of risk and they did right there and yeah the plane was terrifying i think i was more disturbed by the the train because that thing plows into people and then plows into the camera and so you're just like the last thing you're seeing is that contact of the train hitting somebody and i'm just like Ugh.
0: it's just like I, oh God. just such a it's so dark because he knows no one else knows he's tr- He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows something's going to happen in that location in the subway. And like, I, I will say that I'll agree with you. Obviously the, the CGI leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Cause there's some scenes where like it, it almost like the visual just like freezes in like, yeah. it, it's, it's weird. Like it's just, it's obviously like just not as, as good as what we're used to nowadays. But I think it still works like the feeling that it creates is still there like you feel the the darkness and then and the dread of the situation um, that he's experiencing and all these other people are experiencing like when that when that subway just busts through a staircase and crushes like 60 people. God I mean that that it's one of the most action-packed moments of the film and it really just kind of cements what he's trying to figure out I guess trying to figure out what the hell is going on.
2: Do you know what the guy he was chasing was running from?
0: Oh, because he, he, he pirated DVDs. DVDs. He stole some DVDs, right? Yeah, yeah
2: and, and I was sitting there like, oh, okay, that's kind of clever. And then you just see the like the track at the bottom go to change, but then the sparks start happening. Yeah. And so when you think it's a guy with a bomb or something, it's actually, uh-uh, nope, this guy just fucked up.
1: Natural disaster. And
2: that was like the first little hint where it's like, he can't. Stop this, no matter how hard he tries. And I thought they did a good job at making us think it was going to be above ground because he gets there and he's talking to the cop, like, You need to close this place off, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there, like, But it's the city. Could there be a subway? And then, sure Uh, enough, a few minutes later, he's chasing that guy. And I was like, Smart audience member, Nate. (laughs) It's well, because there's going to be tons of destruction above ground. Like, we already know that the movie's called and knowing (laughs) and i'm like how what disaster have we not seen yet and i was just kind of like oh there's a subway that could be more disastrous kind of thing like more apt to happen but i guess it was just by chance
0: this is Um, actually based off of real event too that particular one did happen oh i'm sure but it was uh it was due to a subway operator that was drunk at the time and the, the track did actually change like it did in the movie. But his it wasn't due to an electrical malfunction. It just happened and this guy was going too fast. And it didn't kill nearly as many people as it did in this movie. But it did kill quite a few people. Um, but I'm wondering if you guys noticed. Because the first time I realized this actual fact um, was when I was watching the director commentary. And I, didn't, I never pieced it together. But these two events that Nicolas Cage is there to witness is a direct relation to what the sun is doing the entire time and what the whole movie is trying to foreshadow and how it creates these electrical malfunctions because of these solar storms. So the sun that's that's literally going to fry the Earth is the reason why these two events happen, because the, the plane falls out of the sky, the fucking the track changes, it's because of the solar storms. And I think that that was so cool to kind of tie the two events that we see together into the inevitable doom of the fucking planet. And I never realized that before.
2: And when they show you what is happening when Nicolas Cage and Ben Mendel, Ben Mendelsohn are, they're kind of going over it and you see the flare. I like that they showed it almost nonchalantly, just like, oh, this on the, little on the flare. Screen? Yeah, this little yeah. flare is going to hit Earth. Yeah, that little flare is going to destroy humanity and the planet. And I was just like, that's creepy. Because looking at it from a computer screen, you're, you just see a little line hit Earth. Yeah. That's... In the scope of things, it's just like a grain of sand getting blown over by the wind. But that was a planet that just got a solar system that just got destroyed. Like, yeah. So they did a lot of smart things for being a very over the top and out there subject they I thought they handled it pretty well, just being able to show us these action scenes, go as far as they did with like seeing the bodies and on fire and people getting crushed. It didn't hold back, and I respect it for that and it was also this movie was also kind of scary. I, I, was. Was, I, I had I had a few shivers with the the whispery people. I was like, I I That's... hope I don't see like, um, who's the guy? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, the the guy who led like the group with the blonde hair. He looked like Billy Idol. And and he did look I like could, Billy Idol. That's That's, that's all I a could really imagine was him just walking up to the kids, going like, In a Rebel, yeah, she want more, and more. <laughs> if like, I can't
0: yeah. imagine he did.
1: It's, been, it's actually Billy Idol the whole time. If David Bowie <laughs> was still alive, he would have been great in that role, too. Oh, he would have been <laughs> just, terrifying. Yeah.
2: But he's already played an alien. Yeah, that's why. Well,
1: yeah, <gasps> the man from nowhere. Right. Isn't that it? Yeah. Uh, the man who fell to earth. The man, okay, thank you. Um,
0: oh, I never saw that. So. didn't see that.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is. One of my favorite elements to this movie is something that I always forget about until I rewatch it, and it is the horror elements, and it's especially the first act of the film with uh, Lucinda in the school. (laughs) It's creepy. It's really creepy. I mean, Lucinda's just, like, staring off into the distance, and, like, there's just whispers in, like, her ear and stuff, and, like, they're like, Lucinda, come, and then it stops, and then she's, like, watching the time capsule go down, and she's just, like, way, like, In the corner, and then all of a sudden, like, the balloon goes up, and she's gone, and she's in the closet later, just, like, with the bloody nails. It's terrifying. And then also, Mm. the scene when uh, the little stupid son who can't act, what's his name, Caleb? Is that his name? Uh, Caleb! Caleb! Thank you. Uh, (laughs) When he's laying in bed, and he has the premonition, and the man is just, like, standing in his room and just points to the oh, window yeah. and like the whole world is on yeah. fire it's a terrifying scene the deer uh, comes out of the woods and it's that on was fire stupid. yeah silly that was a moose it's <laughs> too much
0: it was it was a moose my, my big music. moose didn't, yeah, <laughs> i mean yeah i
1: mean i get it that they were you know they had some fun with the visual effects but biblical uh, as yeah. well very biblical that it was just yeah. uh yeah like i it's something that i really appreciate with this movie is when they do lean into the horror elements because it is pretty creepy i mean you have a great director who did the crow and uh, dark City, so I mean, he's used to doing, like, some dark stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry. Uh, um,
0: <laughs> keep my wife's name. You? Sorry. Um, no, and I will agree with you, Spencer. I think the Whisper people and the scenes that involve them are something that has really stuck with me over time. It, it's those, the creepy scenes, especially the one when they go to the cabin and there's the big reveal of E.E., e., everyone else under the bed, and the kids are in the, in the Ford F-150 um, as well
1: what was where what was the cabin again like that was her, it so her mom's it's cabin the mom's the mom, the mom, cabin lucinda's cabin that she stayed in yes
0: the one who originally wrote the numbers but it was
1: abandoned the, and she died she, uh, she
0: died of something uh, like was
1: there a line of dialogue yeah. where like when they went to go visit it where they're like oh yeah people came to the house and like stayed there or something like homeless no Ro- roseburn it was Did left to her been? but
0: she never visited
1: I don't know, but and like just like drifters came and inhabited. it. I thought she said something. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but like maybe like I don't those remember people that. came and chilled out there. I don't know because that's where they were just chilling. Yeah, well, I think so it was th-
2: just. I think it was just because she was unfit. She went out there, but she, she she probably found out the sequence or knew what it was, and that's why the cabin was there.
0: Because yeah, because the numbers later there, on. and the, the but numbers she leads was, to the cabin
2: but she might not have been able to figure out like with the whispers and whatnot. And I think they said she overdosed and like the people came and got Rose Byrne afterwards or something or took her away because she was an unfit mother. And then yeah, the mother OD'd and yeah, like you said, it was left to her, but she just, she never came.
0: Yeah, so and the story with Lucinda, it, it's so unsettling and like especially the scene you mentioned, Spencer, when she's kind of just standing there with the balloon and that whole opening sequence really does kind of set the tone for the the mystery of the movie, kind of the just the overall unsettling nature and the just the mystery behind the whisper people who I guess for the longest time I really looked at as aliens. Um, but when you really look at this movie from an outside perspective, you see all the kind of, um, underlying biblical elements, like they could be aliens. They could be angels. They,
1: it it leaves it for interpretation for sure.
0: And that was purposeful for sure.
2: Well, I kinda, I think I always, I went to aliens too. Like, I guess we're. Probably getting into spoiler territory, but it Oh, we've 09.
0: spoiled the movie already many times. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fuck you. Go
0: ahead. Yeah, but why like, are you listening to this? Yeah.
2: You have the ships and whatnot, so that kind of hints at the extraterrestrial life. Um, when the whispering people kind of shed their skin and they're those beings, like, almost from annihilation, that yeah. kind of look. Yeah, interesting, yeah. You see wings, kind of,
3: shoulders. They do show their Yeah.
2: But if you guys ever looked this up, I don't know if you ever have, but I've been really interested in it since watching this movie. Have you ever looked up what biblical, accurate angels really look like? Aren't they fucking scary? They're terrifying. And when I saw the ship, that's all I was thinking was like intertwined black rings. The ship
0: is, uh, it's similar to the, you know, the image that, uh, uh what's the what's the little daughter's name? I forgot now. Abby. Abby. So she 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 draws that image which is like imprinted in her mind because we've seen the image before in the film but it's it's basically this like Dyson sphere around the sun. And the uh the the ship itself is very reminiscent of an actual Dyson sphere, which is mm-hmm. basically this like just this this futuristic device that an advanced civilization would make around the sun to harness all of its energy and that's kind of what it looks like the the ship is kind of modeled after yeah with a
2: star or something
0: no exactly and and that's what i I look at this this these aliens or angels and the fact is is they're so advanced that they may as well be angels to Nicolas cage's character and that's like when he's dropping down and he's just like he sees what he's seeing it's like it's for a third act that is a little bit kind of bumpy That part of the movie really works for me because it's, like, he, as a character, has come full circle. His father's a pastor. Like, he has this conflicting science versus religion, and he he sees this, and it's almost like he's put in his place where he sees this almost just, like, this unbelievable ship where it might as well be, like a biblical thing where like these are creators because they're so advanced that they still could be aliens but they they're almost godlike figures to him. So it's almost both is what I'm trying to say.
3: And
2: I've started thinking about stuff like that differently because we we're always in the mindset that when we see something so like extra terrestrial or anything like that that we're supposed to understand. Yeah. Like, oh, we like we're supposed to know what's going on. But actually watching this, I kind of put that all on the back burner and was just like, you know why Nicolas Cage doesn't understand because it do- it's not supposed to make sense. Yeah. In their world, it makes sense. You see it all, just how the the ship transforms and when all the extraterrestrial stones like levitate. Yes. Um and just being able to like suspend the disbelief and be like god this doesn't make sense but it doesn't need to I guess because we would never really understand something like that to its fullest extent and we never will we'll be
0: long gone look at it from their perspective of like a mosquito seeing us and I think that's where I what I see like Nicolas Cage is like he is like that little mosquito seeing this like massive ship that defies logic and and the physics that he knows And that's where it's like, that's almost the, the otherworldly beings that he, that he's seeing where he's just, there's just absolute disbelief on his face in that moment where he, he doesn't know what to think. All he's learned in his entire life, all his beliefs of like, oh shit just happens is kind of out the window. It's like, he just doesn't know what to think in that moment.
2: Instead of him having the feeling of disbelief, he already didn't believe in the first place. So I actually think this is kind of a reverse where he he sees all this and he's like, "Oh my god, I thought this, this was all for nothing, but for someone, it's going to continue." So he kind of has a revelation.
3: Yeah.
2: And then, like when he sees his dad and whatnot, I was kind of like, "Good, I'm, that that's what needed to happen."
1: Um, but I want to hear what Spencer was going to say yeah, go because ahead, he he was ready. He was ready. <laughs> no, it's it kills me in that scene so much because he, the kid is just not a good actor and he, he literally yeah. comes up to the Nicolas their last moment together as father and son it's literally the scene where Nicolas Cage has to say goodbye to his son like I mean he spent the whole movie trying to protect his son and the only way to protect his son <laughs> and to save him is to let him go that's now the scene and where this happens and the son is just Hey, don't be scared of the other people. He gave me a bunny rabbit. They said I could take it. I'm going to go to the other world with Abby. It's going to be great. Don't cry, Dad. I'm okay. It's like, oh my God. Pluck his eyes out right now. Yeah,
0: I, I get it. I, I, get I think
1: it. it was purposeful in, in a way. Like, he Obviously,
2: the sense. kid yeah, wasn't that great of an actor at all. But in a way, he's been hearing all this information from something... That Nicolas Cage can't hear. And so maybe the son knows. He knows what the future holds. He knows what's going to happen. So he He wrote the numbers himself. So he kind of can be more relieved. I think he's just more upset because he genuinely loves his dad. And his dad genuinely loves him. And so that's more of what he's kind of upset about when he's like, no, I don't want to leave you. And then Nicolas Cage lets him go. But they're whispering to him. And I can just imagine the things that they've told him. And so, yeah, he probably doesn't want to leave his dad. But he understands, maybe, what is happening. And so he's a little less. But it still doesn't take away the fact that... (laughs) When he was getting mad at Nicolas Cage, it almost looked like he just had a monotone look on his face. Like, he had a hard time expressing emotion... I guess it, if that makes any sense. I like what you're saying. Movie.
0: In in that moment, after everything he's been whispered whispered to, almost for three quarters of the film at that point, so he at that point is almost like becoming one of those higher beings in terms of the information that he knows. So the mm-hmm. reason why he's acting that way, if I, if I if I'm not going to shit on his performance, like you could be right. There's a reason behind why he's acting the way that he is because he has all this information and he's almost above the human race at that point where he's he's just gonna kind of be like yeah we gotta go just kind of like how the aliens were acting or the angels or whatever you want to call them
1: i definitely appreciate where you guys are coming from i like what (laughs) i like what you guys have to say It, it makes a lot of sense my only but, counter is just that <laughs> his performance is consistent throughout the whole movie, like that. Yeah, <laughs> from no, the I get first that. scene. I get This kid is a little yeah, bit cast, <laughs> but yeah. it's okay. No. He's no Haley Joe Osment. You know, he's no. Uh, what's his? Is that the only good Night child performance you can Jacob think of? Spencer? <laughs> I was trying to think of the, the guy who we just talked about, yeah, uh, Jacob Tremblay, who played uh, John, who was the lead. Oh, John. What was his name? Though? The kid, uh, Billy uh,
0: Chapin. Thank you. Yeah. Another thing I, I want to mention about the, the end of the film, there's there's a shot where Nicolas Cage, it's, it's the scene where we see Ben Mendelsohn just kind of standing on the side of the road, and the scene where there's a million extras just kind of like rioting and, and breaking shit, and, and he's driving his F-150 through the, through the streets of Boston. Um, we don't see a single child. There's not a kid. They're all adults. They all Never so mind. I was going to go somewhere really dark, but then I was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, and I, I think this is another thing I never noticed before, but through the director's commentary this was mentioned, and I was like, wow, I never really I never realized that. I think that they took every child off the plane. Well, planet.
1: there there's a, okay, there is a wide shot, or maybe not a wide shot, but there's a shot from outer, outer space of like those
0: all the, yeah, the she, kids the yeah, kids are leaving. like
1: the spaceships are going up and there's just so many of them from all across the world so there's just multiple people that are being brought up to this new utopia and maybe it's not like, every
0: kid but it's yeah, they're taking a vast up. majority of there the was young human like, race
1: at least 15 20 that you could see on screen like but like maybe there was more but uh, it's like noah's ark you got to take one yeah. of each to rebuild a new life Sure, maybe and I, that's I, I, kind of.
0: I think the idea is though they're taking the younger the younger generation. Maybe they don't take them all, but we do not see any kids in that shot, which is so like it's Adam and Eve. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: they, it,
1: so are they taking? Life. They weren't holding a kid when they were embracing together. They weren't. I think they were holding, they each, other holding other because... each other. They were. There's no kids. Yeah. Right. There's
0: no kids in in the riots. So. And I a look for. That's I mean, purposeful. Wait. Director's commentary that is, purposeful. is that what you learned or something? Yes, there's no kids. So, basically, in the director's commentary, he's talking to another person who's, like, giving him questions throughout. It's another guy. I don't know who it is, but he brings up that question, and the director kind of just, you know, tiptoes around it. But it's because it's supposed to be up for interpretation and this and that. But it's a really good point where, you know, maybe they do take all the kids because of the innocence, and they're not, like, crazy like the adults who are just going to riot in a situation like this. Um because um, it's easier to get through to children, that's why they whisper to them. There's a there's a lot here. I mean, there's there's a lot that you could kind of decipher through that. But I I I have come to the conclusion that I do think that maybe they didn't take all of the children, but they took at least in that shot, it's like okay, they took you know thirty children, but maybe there's a million more ships. Who knows? Yeah, um,
2: it, because not all the kids at the elementary school hear it. Like it was just Lucinda at the beginning. And then it was only Abby and Caleb.
0: but who's And they weren't that, even at the same school. Who's to say that all the kids didn't? Because it was the only kids we see throughout the entire film other than in the 50s.
2: I feel like if it was more kids
1: like that, you would have seen other kids. The young actress that plays Lucinda also played Abby. And, like, I totally mm-hmm. can see it now. I, I mean, didn't realize that. But either. I didn't realize it time. I mean, when I was watching the film. It, yeah. uh, because they're such polar opposite characters. Uh, like Lucinda was terrifying. Like, I was actually CGI, probably, Um, because they did look a lot
2: like Rose Byrne in some of the pictures. Like, the way they
1: Byrne looked like she was like 19 in this movie. (laughs) Oh, but
0: she's she's beautiful. She was so creepy Uh. in this movie. She was, like, honestly. Think about it though. I mean, her
1: character. her whole life just, her mother was literally saying you're gonna die world. on October 19th or whatever the date was like literally saying like hey you're gonna die on this day and like just saying like oh yeah like I know the world's gonna die like, E.E. everything ends and she just chose to ignore it her whole life and now it's being proved that it is real and that her mom was telling the truth like that's a lot for her character to go through so give her have... burn some slack
2: and she doesn't even
0: go with all of them she doesn't. And I, I I, have a few, I guess, you, I now that I think of this, I'm like, this is a MacGuffin. The rocks are never explained.
2: It's just to show that they're from not here. Because you kind. Of, it's explained at the end because all of the rocks are in that spot. Nope. Where Nicolas Cage drives on top of them and you hear the Rock. rocks that he pulls onto. It's just
0: unearthly, kind of, right? Yeah.
2: Nope. And then when they the ship goes, they all kind of levitate. Does Spencer know what the
1: rocks are for? nope not of planet earth nope oh
0: oh you're revealing a lot about this other movie that i <laughs> i don't
3: know maybe oh. not of okay.
0: i swear to god if they actually explain that that's what nope means in that movie i'm gonna be a little bit annoyed maybe
1: i don't know <laughs> not of mm-hmm. planet earth not our people <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> God, okay, they're
0: trying try. to be too smart. Okay. They're trying to be too smart. No, I—that's I th- th- the one thing where it's like I can't figure that out. And also the fucking rabbits. Why the rabbits? You could have given them a gerbil. Like because it doesn't matter.
1: Rabbits are known to breed really quickly, and they're gonna go to a different planet to essentially breed. And they want—they're eleven. To breed like rabbits, John. It's Alex prius Okay, we don't know much about him <laughs> on a personal level. Jeez. He hasn't directed a movie since Gods of Egypt so
0: i know it's implied he didn't he didn't direct a movie between knowing and gods of egypt i feel like that's worth mentioning as well that was his he had no projects for about six years in between those movies he's not spike jones okay it's he made knowing irobot the crow which okay and then gods of egypt he also made dark city what do you guys think of of nicholas cage's character arc I mean the same thing can be said for Rose Byrne but their entire purpose is to protect their children especially Rose Byrne in those final moments
1: <laughs> we have to protect the children <laughs> so one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of this movie was them on the rooftop in Boston after he confronts them at the museum and we came uh, there just like going on Nicholas Cage stuff. knows Sorry. I mean he, the movie's called knowing he knows okay and he just wants to just tell Rose Byrne everything that he knows and she just doesn't want to hear it and you can just tell it's like he's so frustrated and like you you can tell that he's about to like bring out like that like mandy level of Nicolas cage the freak out like (laughs) scream in your underwear and like just like throw a temper tantrum for 10 minutes like in one take and like he wants to do it so bad and (laughs) it's just so entertaining and i guess in the and the special features they talk about that scene in particular and I guess they rehearsed it in a very like traditional way and then when they called action Nicholas Cage just brought up this like extra like energy element to it of like just like hyperventilating like I need to tell you this right now and you need to listen because this is what's happening you need to fucking shut up yeah yeah <laughs> I watched that too.
0: And uh, I, I think you you can see Rose Byrne's reaction in the film. Yeah. And the way that she's like, uh, you need to get away from me and leave me the fuck alone. Like, and oh that's exactly God. how she felt legitimately <laughs> in real life in that moment. And that, yeah. that is one of those scenes where Nicolas Cage be- gets to be Nicolas Cage. And those are some of the best moments. It's like, at this point, since we've seen so much Nicolas Cage, like, it's almost laughable. Because you're like, okay, this is him being him. But it just it works. In the film, it really does because he just, you know.
1: Caleb, I just like that it's it's... gradually let him go there because in the beginning he's just like, hey, I'm making Papa's famous Sunday hot dogs. (laughs) I'm Nicholas Cage.
2: I'm the son of a pastor.
1: Sorry, you want to come
2: see Saturn's rings, son?
0: (laughs) I I love this movie. I've really, I kind of low key do do too. It's and that's the thing. Again, guilty pleasure. It was this or the mummy, and I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm definitely more passionate about this movie than, than the mummy. The mummy's great. Brendan Fraser, like, how can you go wrong? We didn't, we're not talking about it. I'm just saying it was, it was against this movie. It's, it's two movies that I, you know, would love to talk about. And I think this movie made for a great conversation piece. There's, there's so many elements and so many, just, so, I guess, over the top funny moments. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. I think, it really yeah, is I mean, with this movie. I've loaded
1: up all of the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and it looks like a huge consensus is that just people don't really dig the, or the critics didn't really dig the -the over-the-top setup, the -the over-the-top punchline, the, uh, they say that one critic just says, I was dozing off and gave it an F, uh, (laughs) they say that it just falls apart in the third act, uh, it's just, it's very bleak, um, but they're dissing it based on only, like, one
2: thing. Where okay, we can actually talk consensus. about the I've seen bad the movie things. ten fucking
1: times. No I, one, like no I, one I, has some no, interesting <laughs> ideas and a couple good scenes, but it's weighted down by its absurd plot and over-seriousness. I could see that. But I it's guess it's not it's really just... fun. I mean, I know you said that. No, but it's but not it's fun. A... <laughs> it's fun I had you. fun yeah.
2: just allowing Nicolas Cage to just literally just kind of let loose and just be like, hey, I'm this single alcoholic dad. And I'm just going to be over the top and go,
3: <laughs> I'm so the son of just... a
2: pastor. I'm going to keep doing that. Is that cool? <laughs> Hi, I'm Nicolas Cage. I'm the son of a pastor.
1: <laughs> the next movie I'm is called Son of a Pastor. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Written by those movie dudes. <laughs> yes. He, he would do it. <laughs> Sorry, Martin the Monkey.
1: Yeah. Um, Just
2: get him a million it, bucks.
0: Yeah. I oh, Man, there, I could keep going. I really could with this movie, but we should probably cut this off here. Uh, Spencer, final thoughts.
1: <sighs> One second. I want to <laughs> see what I gave it on Letterboxd. <laughs> and maybe I have, don't, have I an, an older view. I don't know.
2: I don't know if I put my grade
0: in yet. I think I did. Sure I, uh, I
1: didn't re-log it. Let me check.
0: I, d- I did. Okay.
1: Um, okay. So, yeah, no, I mean, it is one of those movies that I checked out in theaters back in 2009, and it has stuck with me over time, of just the fact of, like, yeah, like, the numbers and predicting the future and just Nicolas Cage kind of getting there with his over-the-top performance and just the ending really going there and being kind of bleak and being very <laughs> uh just different for like a mainstream blockbuster to just have this very bold ending. Um so it's something that I do kind of appreciate. I do, I do get the criticisms. I mean, it is a very dark and serious blockbuster. It doesn't really have too too much fun with its uh material. Uh the the action scenes like we said are very disturbing to watch. I mean, people are on fire and burning to death. <laughs> just innocent people. It's like okay, in the subway, yeah. just people just get executed just horrifically. Um but that being said, I do really like the horror elements. I do think it's well directed. Uh I, I do have fun with the Nicolas Cage element to the movie. Like we said, like no other actor could could replace Nicolas Cage in this lead performance. I got the Blu ray now. I didn't before this, but now I have the Blu ray. <laughs> so Don't <laughs> at least I can uh watch one whenever I would like to in the future. So I am going to go, I'm going to go,
3: fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, fuck, I don't know, <laughs> I'm just,
1: just, just be honest,
0: okay, remember when we made our list back in the day, It's it's entertainment factor, that's what I always keep in mind, this is a movie that I was entertained by,
1: what is the entertainment factor grade on this film? If you sit down on like a Saturday night at like 9 p.m. with a couple of beers and you watch, knowing you might have a good time, it? so I'm gonna go okay. three and a half out of five. Fuck yeah, let's go! Baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was either <laughs> better a four. three, so I, uh, it was yeah.
0: It's a three and a half with a beer.
1: in Your it's system, a three and a half. Real. It's closer to a three than a four. I'll get. I'll, I'll go that way. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, fuck off. What? <laughs> 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 oh, my God!
0: Where are we at Nate Where we at um
2: well, John, you are also probably gonna get really pumped because I had a blast, and I know this there's of course the c g i is kinda iffy um very over the top. It just went there and it accepted it and I like a disaster movie that actually depicts the world ending. It's kind of refreshing because we're so used to superheroes saving the world coming out unscathed well it's like ah we're fucked like i don't know it's like a it's weird safe. cathartic release that i get um seeing that world just crumble i'm i'm going to go 4 out of 5 as far as enjoyment because i <laughs> Let's I, God, I, I i i did <gasps> i did have fun and like i i understand its flaws but fuck it we're not critics we're film lovers That's and as a nine. we wow. don't have to Hold ourselves to a standard. I had fun, and I love Rose Byrne, and I love Nicolas Cage.
0: I'm so happy we've got to talk about a movie like this because we're always talking about oh, this movie's so critically acclaimed, it won sixteen fucking twenty, 20 Oscars. Like, no, this movie isn't that, but it, it's a movie that it it has a place in my in my heart for me. It's it's just so entertaining. No, it's not amazing, but it's it's one of those disaster flicks that I feel like. The vast majority of people have not seen it's 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 it does its own thing. It doesn't do the the typical like asteroid impact. It goes for this weird sun flare thing that is completely this would not happen. The earth would not be fried. OK, it would it would mm. it would fuck all communications and fuck our satellites for probably a decade at the very least. But we would not be fried because we have an ozone layer. OK, this it, it, it's just not realistic. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a scientist, but I've watched a lot of scientific videos. This is not possible.
2: Well, you got to think our Earth is being protected by this atmosphere that is we understand what makes it, but we also don't know what out there is made of. So the whole biochemistry and everything on Earth combining with the unknown elements and dark matter of space, it's a plausible thing that could happen.
0: We're those science dudes, by the way. We are those science dudes. I, I just, it, it, it's, there's, dude, it's Nick Cage. It's a fucking movie. If you've ever watched, My if God. you've ever seen a podcast <laughs> with us, God, I just, I love Nick Cage. Rose Byrne is over the top. Everything's over the top in this movie, but it's just so entertaining. It's it's so just like, it is, it's it's horrific. It's scary. It's, there's so many elements that I love. And God, I'm going to watch this movie at least 10 more times before I die. It's, it's, it's great. It, well, hmm. It's good. Um, I'm going to go four out of five. It's a four out of five. I'm, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, I know it has its flaws. Like, there's problems with this movie, but it's so entertaining. And when I say I love it, it doesn't mean it's a perfect movie. I love this movie, but it's not
1: great.
2: <laughs> That's fine. I okay. love Porky's. All right. right. Porky's I haven't seen Porky's. The there you go.
1: <laughs> we all like this movie. It's, okay. it's good! <laughs> Caleb!
3: The games will won't save us! Nothing
2: can! The radiation will penetrate one mile into the Earth's crust!
0: <laughs> the super flavor in our own solar system, 100-micro-Tesla wave of radiation that would destroy our ozone layer, killing every leg of... God, I can't do it. I can't deliver a line like Nicholas Cage. I can't do it.
1: Yeah, so yeah, MovieThon, if you have seen Knowing, let us know what you think of this film. Uh, anyone else listening as well, yeah, just go to our Instagram at those movie dudes. Uh, like the photo of knowing, hopefully, as I say this, hopefully, I commit to my photo idea of it. Um, so go ahead and give it a like. If you don't want to be really disappointed, dude. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Oh, leave him alone. It's nine o'clock at night. you thought in particular, I want to know your <laughs> thoughts. Have you seen Knowing? If not, watch it. It's on Hulu or Amazon Prime, and then go back and listen to this podcast. Um, yeah. You bastard.
3: Let's get physical.